0: Right, that we are all in that comfort zone, and there is this stage of you know fear before we get to that stage of growth. And the stage of fear is almost debilitating, right? If when you're there or when you've left behind everything that's familiar, and that stage of growth is nowhere visible, right? Like it's like you're lost at sea and you're in search of that land (laughs) to really survive and get there. Uh, How have you managed situations where you've been in that space of you know out of comfort zone, nowhere near growth? uh, How do you really handle the emotions and the insecurity, self-doubt and probably all the critics uh, coming up in our head and still acting towards those goals and desires?
1: So I think, you know, one is challenged constantly. And like I said, if you you take a path which is a path of expansion, constantly challenging yourself to grow, uh, it does mean that you have to let go constantly of who you were before to become who you are meant to be in that next stage of your life and uh, for me I think I would say the toughest example of this really was when I gave birth to my son mm-hmm. and uh, he came a full one month before schedule so so you know I mean I don't even think we had really bought his clothes because I was just trying to tie in everything at office uh, it was a time where I was growing in my career and The organization that I was in was also going through a pretty tough turnaround situation. So uh, things were challenging there. Um, A lot of, you know, hard work, critical decision making, tough choices. So in every way, uh, emotionally, physically, I would even say mentally, spiritually. I mean, we were stretched making that turnaround happen. It was tough. It was also tough and challenging because a lot of us were very young and this was perhaps the first time that we had encountered that critical situation in the business and understood the importance of really quickly working on a turnaround situation, how important it is to save lives, to save careers, to save reputation, all of it. The stakes were really, really high and uh, and this was an absolutely new situation. So there was no playbook I could open up and, and read as to what do I do next because every day was a new day and it called upon us to be the best leader that we could be in the, that situation. And uh, here I was in that professional frame and then the baby came a full month ahead of time. Uh, and when you have a premature baby, then you know you need a lot more care um, and And nobody prepares you to be a mother, really, honestly. You can read all the books you want, and those were not the days of the internet where Google uh, came to the rescue for virtually everything. So for every little cough, every time the fever shot up, uh, you know, the temperature shot up and he had high fever, I panicked, right? And, And coincidentally, that also happened to be the day I had a travel scheduled or, um, you know, a big meeting in the office or the global CEO was coming in. So how do you really look at integrating both these realities of your life and you are not prepared for either of them? Yeah. yeah? And you get them both together. together. <laughs> so after a while, you're like, okay, okay, bring it on. <laughs> you, <know?
0: laughs> you have no other <laughs> and, choice. <laughs>
1: No other choice. And, and yet, you know that somewhere in your heart, you know that this is also going to be the most fulfilling time of your life. Imagine if you could emerge out of this stronger and you could be in your capacity, whatever your version that you can be of the best mother to that little boy. And you can be a leader to the team that the team needs at that point in time. Uh, how fulfilling would that be? And I think just just even that thought uh, on many sleepless nights uh, kept me going. And uh, of course, we emerged out of it. The company not just turned around, but became a huge um, profitable uh, contributor to the worldwide business, a big, uh, powerful, well-reputed brand in the country. And on the other side, I was really happy to see my son and the way he was growing and um, and how independent he was and how um, how much love and respect he had for the work that I was doing. So, um, so I think it, it just gave me so much joy at a later date. But at that point in time, I think it just sucked everything inside of me and how. So, um, so the idea is to really tap into your strength. And we have oodles of it. There is that reservoir, the secret reservoir we all have. Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea is to tap into it when you most need it and take liberally and and then to give back to it liberally when you have an extra of that energy of all of the good
0: fortune that life has given you. In today's race for more, right, if I can put it that way, we are always craving for something more, whether it's status, wealth, uh, designations, whatever it is, right, Uh, how can we really balance that ambition while being content
2: there are two three layers to it in sanskrit it's called vishayananda and atmananda Vishayananda means the happiness that the objects bring to you. Nothing wrong in it, nothing wrong. Okay. Uh, Vishayananda would be ice cream. I eat ice cream, I feel happy, done, finish. But again, fleeting. It gives me sugar high, then my insulin spike happens, and then after one hour, I'm like, oh, I want one more ice cream, things like that. So it, the vicious cycle never ends. The second is Atmananda, the ananda or bliss or happiness that comes from within. We have gotten lost too much in the Vishayananda. Because nobody told us about Atmananda. Our education system, our social ecosystem has always been about Vishayananda even we ask our kids what do you want to be when you grow up doctor engineer has anybody ever told you as a child just be a good person just be happy when you grow up doesn't matter what you do in life just be happy nobody told me that so we've been (laughs) we've been taught that the only ananda the only happiness that exists is Vishayananda. But our scriptures teach us very differently. Chapter 2 of Bhagavad Gita says this. So there is a very big gap between what our scriptures say and what we are actually doing. So somewhere we have to go back to this realization. By realizing that pursuing the objects Vish is at own its own thing. We need that. I'm not saying we should give up all desires and not like that. But not at the cost of the ananda that is there with you. In this sense, we all have to harmonize. Our external pursuits and internal pursuits.
0: So, I mean, you would have seen a lot of women's challenges, uh, you know, through uh, solving for uh, FlexiBees. So just curious, what are the most common challenges women probably face in their careers and what do you think uh, can help them navigate it? Um,
3: So yeah, the top ones are, um, which can actually halt a career are uh, these things like uh, relocation, uh, owing to marriage, uh, then uh, maternity, caregiving. So these are the things which actually cause uh, dropout. So this is like, it's not a question of just navigating a career. It's like a question of having a career. So it's, um, I think these, these play a very important part in our, in our society and culture where, um, um, where there is a lot of conditioning around what roles men have to do, women have to do and uh, um, the roles that we grow up with and we get conditioned to uh, incorporate and uh, do better at. Uh, so that's one, one big reason. And yes, of course, the constructs in which work itself happens, right? So, it has to happen from this location, that location, which has opened up a little bit now, post-pandemic. And uh, caregiving and um, uh, the support available to raise a family. So, these are all uh, big factors, actually, which which have a significant impact on a, a woman's career. So, uh, yeah, there are no easy answers. So there i mean solutions have to be built from from the institutional economic to family and welfare to the individual right so and there are multiple organizations uh, chipping away at uh, at all of these issues which impact women's careers so FlexiBasis way is choosing one particular way like one, one small part we have chosen and uh, which is to build flexible careers so that is that is our way to solve for uh, uh, women who find it hard to uh, uh, sustain in this full-time grind, basically. And that has been uh, working for a a large segment of women. Um, Other ways could be having um, uh, family-friendly policies and more inclusive cultures which, which help sustain that career right and uh, and have a equal opportunity for both parents to bring their whole selves to work right as 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 their as their parents as well as as their professionals um, so yeah there are a host of solutions possible and yeah so this our way has been to find flexible work which which can help uh, uh, parents and those who need flexibility uh, navigate the challenges of managing everything
0: yeah, that's true. And I think one of the things that you told me also stood out for me saying that uh, one of the biggest challenges uh, for women coming back from maternity also is to regain their confidence, right? And I think as a coach, I also meet a lot of women, you know, who've taken break for maternity and maybe, you know, not just for one child, one child, you know, they wanted to have two children over a break. And, you know, before you know it, it became five, seven years and 10 years and suddenly they feel out of relevance, right, in the industry. Uh, yeah. how how do you think uh, women can actually regain their confidence if there are listeners here in our audience as well who are probably in their break yeah. or planning to get back or are already back but don't really feel as confident right. as they
3: used to uh, how can sure. they get that confidence back yeah yeah so um, yeah confidence is at one stroke a big area as well as a solvable thing. so i think one is for we have to look at it as um, as a as a host of things basically. So why why first of all we lose it is um so when we are working, right? There is so much, so much we do around work, we don't realize it. So we are in that in that mode where we are in a work think kind of mode, right? So we go to the office, we or or whatever, we engage with others, we talk about work issues, we talk about the functions. And then we know what what is happening outside of the company in that industry and within that company, why certain things are done. Then you have a support system around work, right? You have have peers whom you can consult with, talk with. So, um, and of course, financial independence. There are so many elements which are integral to our identity in work, right? So, we are in that mode without realizing it. So, when that thing is taken away or when you have to give up on work, so, this, all of these things go away at one shot, right? So, the transition that happens in life due to work going away is a very big transition. So, it's a financial transition, it's an emotional transition, it's an intellectual transition, right? Because you are used to thinking work issues and solving work problems and work crises and all of that. And suddenly, there is a big void where that used to exist, right? So, so. So naturally your mind struggles. It, it doesn't channelize. Um, uh, the brain is not channelized in the way it used to be. Right. So something else occupies it. But there's a big, big segment which is which is missing. So um, I think then the solution also is to get all of these back little by little. So um, so we have kind of uh, built a framework called I Rise in which we talk about uh, to uh, women. Uh, which can help them come back to the career. Uh, So, like I stands for introspection, right? So, we say, uh, take a look at what all you have done. You yourself have done, right? So, you look at your past resume, look at your appraisal papers, then talk to your peers whom you work with, your colleagues whom you work with. So, then you'll get reminded of the things that you did. So, then you realize that you only did that. It's not somebody else. It may feel like it's someone else because a year of motherhood can feel like a decade of another lifetime, right? So, it can feel like that, but it's you who did that. So, and all of that you had is not going away anywhere. It's still inside you. So, that itself gives a little bit of confidence. First of all, taking stock, introspecting and seeing what all you have done, what skills have you actually possessed, which skills you were most proud of, which you were most happy to engage and which way you did because your job had to be done and you were not very very happy about using those skills so I think the first element is to take stock which was I then um, R stood for research so research about um, your function your industry where things are going the economy so so if you're an accountant you might like to uh, visit the Um, um, uh, uh, visit the government or statutory um, uh, groups where there'll be updates about what is happening if you're a marketing professional you might want to go to industry associations or uh, networking groups and have uh, and understand what's going on so research about all of these elements also helps you keep in touch then again you get back the thinking mode about work oh okay this industry is going in this way and then if this kind of well, how will they address these kind of problems or these, these kind of marketing challenges are coming up how will they answer so i think uh, basically they the 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 kind of thinking kind of comes a little by little back right um, then uh, i rise i stands for interact interact is again with your colleague ex bosses uh, friends so there's so many people um, whom uh, we have placed, they, they do all of this. So it's not like they do like a course, oh, I will do this and this and this. So we know that those who are successful have done a combination of all of this in their attempt to come back. So so
1: if I look at it in the context of your audience today, Shweta, as you said, a lot of them are very keen to build their personal brands. Um, and if I am, say, in a service-based um, business or I'm wanting to build my personal brand as a business owner or as a corporate professional. Either ways, connecting back with your purpose and helping to reveal that is important but when we say purpose let's not just talk about the word purpose which Simon Sinek has made you know famous. Everybody understands that in theory and we were chatting about it right sometime back as well but how do you really put it in action? So how do you make it concrete so that it means something to you? So I think the first thing is to really sit down with yourself. And the starting point is our values. Mm-hmm. And again, many people omit that step, right? They, they want to jump straight into whatever they've learned as a template. And I'm not a believer of just filling up templates because that's the cool thing to do. I think we have to really go back and look inside of us as to what do we really value as, as a corporate professional or as a business owner? Uh, what are the things that are really important to us? What are our non-negotiables in life mm-hmm. and in business, right? And when we start to list those down, I think you start to see a pattern. And, and th- from those values, you know, really will, will emerge your purpose, because then your purpose is about your own existence. That why do I exist? Right. The next question is for whom do I exist? Because purpose is not really something you do in isolation. It's not just for you. Though many people think it's about me and, and one fine day, I'll know what to do with my life, this one life, which I'm so confused about, but that aha moment, when it comes, you'll realize it always involves an audience. Right. Even if you have to build a personal brand, a brand seen by whom, admired by whom, important to whom, right? So there's there's always the other at play. So, so we have to realize that we are all born with a purpose, every single one of us. And that's the why behind our existence. But for whom is a very important question. And if you start to define that uh, in as much detail as possible, That's really a very essential step in building your personal brand. And and the last step really is that why should those people really care that you exist? And and when you are able to make meaning of this last bit, that's where you truly shift the focus from me to we to us. And, And that holds true for a corporate leader who leads a business, who leads a team, right? Who even leads him or herself and brings themselves to work every day. You could be inside an organization. Equally works for someone um, who is a business owner. You could be a solopreneur. You and your business are the same. So, So your purpose and perhaps many times the purpose of what you start as your venture is so intertwined,
0: Yeah.
1: right? And what we cannot neglect is that who are we for and how do we really serve them? So this whole question of serving, it's not just for people like Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And neither do we all need to become a Mother Teresa. So, so that's where I wanna make it concrete that even if you can make really amazing chocolates and then that's your business, mm-hmm. you make people happy because when they eat chocolate, they, they are happy. And then you do that with love. You do that with a sense of purity. Choose the best ingredients. Yeah. Um, that that could very well be your purpose.
4: And I realized one truth, which is my truth. That is, put your best and leave the rest. And when you're not worried about the outcome, it's all about what you're putting in currently, you end up doing your 100%. When you are nervous or anxious about the result, you actually end up making a lot more flaws. So when the result does not matter, I'm going to put my best shot and the rest is up to whoever, destiny, God, whatever you call it, then it becomes easy to do your work as well. You put in your first foot, you know, that that's the beauty of it. You just hit one step. The universe, we call it universe now, the generalized term takes the remaining 99 steps to make sure everything falls in place. So when things work, your favor, how many times do you look up and say, thank you? When they don't, how many times you look up and say, why? Why? (laughs) So, So I think the moment all of this gave clarity to me, it became easy to accept all that happened. But one thing remained, doing your best, putting in that hard work, doing whatever, because... Uh, one truth I picked from there was never look back and say, I wish I had worked harder. I wish I had put in little more effort. So that was one principle that I took from the Gita that I'll never look back with regret of maybe another one person would have made a difference. Yeah. So that was one of the biggest moments where this verse started making so much sense to me. And I realized there is no point justifying it to those people who are making their statements, they're not going to learn anyway. They're not going to agree anyway. And the Gita is not about argument. It's about what you take from it and move forward. So that's my biggest takeaway from the Gita. And uh, that has helped me a lot, especially because of competition, ambition, and goals that you set for yourself and when they don't come true. So you're not able to be there. But today, when I look back, I'm happy with the way life threw choices at me and what I picked. I had the right mentors at the right time, guiding me to who I am today. So I know everything happens for me.